You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Since 2009, HRN podcasts have been exploring the wide world of food, beverage, and agriculture. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. We've been making cheese in Wisconsin since before we were even a state, which may be one reason why we win so many awards for it. It's what happens when a whole state dreams in cheese. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. It's time for lunch. Welcome to Time for Lunch. This is a place to learn about eating, cooking, enjoying, and usually playing with your food. Each episode, we cover a new subject. I'm Hannah Forden. And I'm Harry Rosenblum. Tune in for food, fun, and flavor. Before we start today's episode, I thought it might be a good idea to talk for a minute about who we are and how we created Time for Lunch. I'll go first. So as you have already just heard and might already know, my name is Hannah. I used to be the program manager at Heritage Radio Network and recently said ta-ta to that position, um, saying goodbye to my much-beloved HRN team to work on some other projects and... I'm planning on going back to school in the fall. So like many of you, I will be back on the school homework grind, and I'm super excited. Um, I am not a parent, but I am the big sister to a 9- and 10-year-old, and I learn a lot from them. That helps me with the show. Harry, how about you? Well, I am a parent. I have two kids, and I love food, fermentation, cooking, and nature. And Hannah and I were talking a number of years ago about creating a show that would be just for kids here on Heritage Radio Network. So in March of 2020, we started making this show, and the rest, as they say, is history. And it's just been so much fun. We love making the show, and we're so grateful to all of you for listening. If you have any ideas about topics you want us to cover, we'd love to hear from you. So keep in touch, and be sure to rate and review the show if you like it. So... As usual, we have a very special guest here for lunch today, and it's up to you to guess who they are and what the theme of today's episode is. Are you ready? Special guest, what shape are you? I'm sort of flat and round. Okay. I can't think of any animals that are that shape, but I'm going to go ahead and ask anyway. Are you an animal? Nope. Okay. Hmm. Are you a kitchen tool? Nope. Hmm. Okay, so you're a food. Yes. Okay, now we're getting somewhere. A round, flat food. Now I can think of a bunch of things that are round and flat. Some are very big. Some are very small. Some are medium. So, let's see. Are you the result of, like, a recipe? Are you the combination of a lot of ingredients, or are you just one ingredient? I'm one ingredient. I'm the seed of a plant. Aha! Are you, by any chance, a legume? I am. Listeners, the legume family consists of plants that produce a pod with seeds inside. Okay, okay. So, let me think through. I know that peanuts... Peas and beans are all legumes, but they aren't really flat and round. Hmm. I've got it. You're a lentil! Lentil! 
Mmm, lentils. Later in this episode, we'll hear from our friend Sarah Thomas about what lentils mean to her and to Kalamata, the main character in her book, Kalamata's Kitchen. When I think of lentils, I think of two different dishes that made an impact on me. The first is tiny green French lentils. They're tiny little beans that are green and black, and I remember having them when I went to France as a teenager. And I remember when the dish hit the table, it looked very plain, but the lentils were delicious. They were cooked with sausage and herbs, and for whatever reason, I just remember that dish really well. The other dish is rice and dal, which is Indian of origin and is an incredibly simple dish of cooked lentils with some garlic, onion, spices like turmeric and ginger, all simmered into sort of a thick soup and served with rice. It's one of the most comforting dishes that I can think of. What about you, Hannah? Mm, You just named two of my favorite lentil dishes. French lentils and dal are both so tasty and so different. It's amazing how many variations you can get from this one simple ingredient. Uh, I just feel like you can't go wrong with tasty, tasty lentils. Um, But I'm going to go back to like an old classic comfort food, which is lentil soup. It's super versatile. And it's one of those dishes that I make when I'm sort of at the the end of my groceries when there's not a whole lot left in my fridge, but I always have lentils in my pantry. So I gather up all the scraps of vegetables that I have left over from the week, maybe some tomatoes or onions or peppers, lots and lots of options. Use a nice stock as a base and cook those lentils so they're good and mushy. And honestly, it's a great meal. I'm uh, I'm really famous for what what we like to call clean out the fridge dinners, and lentils are always a good base for that sort of thing. Absolutely. Sounds delicious. Joke time. Spring is here, and I got so excited, I wet my plants. <laughs> good job. What's a cat's favorite dessert? What is a cat's favorite dessert? Chocolate mouse. Now it's time for our question of the day. The answer to this question is somewhere in the episode, so listen carefully. When do they eat lentils in Italy? Keep an ear out for the answer. Thank you for having me. My name is Sarah Thomas. I am the co-founder and chief imaginator at Kalamata's Kitchen. Kalamata's Kitchen is a brand that's on a mission to inspire kids and families to experience the whole world through adventures with food. We do that through stories primarily and through our lovable characters, a little girl with big hair and a big appetite named Kalamata and her stuffed alligator pal, Al Dente. Kalamata's Kitchen is a fabulous book and website. I love it. And I'm just a stinky old grown-up. I grew up in a really small town in rural Western Pennsylvania. My parents are Indian immigrants, but I was born and raised in that town. And then, you know, fast forward a couple of years, I was a little kid who loved food and who loved books. I grew up really surrounded by the scents and the sounds and obviously the tastes of my mom's cooking. Our house always smelled incredible. My mom was cooking constantly and I didn't realize how rare and how lucky that was until I left for college and I missed it all the time. I didn't cook with my mom, but I was always present when she was cooking. And I was very obsessed, very obsessed with eating. (laughs) My dear friend, Derek Wallace, the co-founder of Kalamata's Kitchen, had this great idea to basically get kids excited about food the same way that we were. That was how we became friends as we just really bonded over our love of food and travel and adventure and all the things that we'd learned through food 
And we just thought, why isn't there a character that does this for kids? And so we started working on Kalamata's Kitchen. We wanted to make that character. We wanted to bring her to life. And we wanted to really find a way for kids and families to have this easy entry in the form of a, a character that kids love and want to be and want to hang out with to learn all of the really beautiful things that food can teach us about empathy and curiosity and courage and the fact that, you know, different is delicious. I mean, I think what's so amazing now is that we're all closer. Everything in the world is closer to us than it ever has been before. With a with a click of your finger on your computer, you can get anything in the any ingredient in the entire world you can learn about any place any any recipe any person in the entire world i love this there are more foods and more ingredients out there than anyone could ever know all about and learning and tasting new things is one of the greatest things on earth so in this book this story is really based on some of my own memories of my mom cooking dal in our kitchen and kind of my sensory experiences when i could sort of like you know, I, I would get very excited and, and start to feel very, you know, brave and strong and, and comforted by the sounds of mustard seeds popping like fireworks and the smell of blooming curry leaves and the kind of feeling, tactile feeling you get when a rice cooker is nearly done and that kind of sweet smell of rice is surrounding you. And so I really wanted to find a way to bring all of those sensations to life. And I, I thought, well, what's a relatable feeling that we, you know, that can kind of, you know, drive this story and the sensory experience. And I just remembered, you know, sometimes I felt a little nervous to do things because I have tried a new food before and it's been wonderful out into, oh, I'm scared to go to school, but I know that I can be brave. I just need to be reminded. And so that's really the crux of this story is that we can all be reminded of the things that make us unique and special and harness that power to make us feel brave and ready to face the things that scare us. The adventures of Kalamata, just like the adventures of our guest Sarah, are continuing as Kalamata and Al Dente find out about cuisine from a new country. Well, Kalamata and Al Dente are fearless food adventurers, so they will always be going on incredible, incredible food adventures. The next book, which is coming out in June, is going to feature a really fun adventure with our friend Chef Kyo Pang from a restaurant in, in New York City called Kopitiam. She is Asian. She's from the Baba Nonya sun, subculture in Malaysia. And I'm just really excited to share some of her childhood memories and uh, experiences and Kalamata and Al Dente get to be inspired by her story. That's really the key for Kalamata is she hears things, she's inspired by other people, by cultures, by the opportunity to learn more about them, and she goes for it. She dives right in, and that you can expect to see a lot more of that in the next book and hopefully in many books to come. My favorite thing in Kalamata's kitchen is the taste bud pledge. I promise to keep my mind open and my fork ready, to try each new food at least two times, and to share what's on my plate when someone doesn't have enough. That's the Taste Bud Pledge. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be back with some fun legume facts very soon. This episode is brought to you by Wisconsin Cheese. There's a reason when you think of Wisconsin, you think cheese. Cheese is a huge part of Wisconsin's history and future. In Wisconsin, the state of cheese, the tradition of cheesemaking excellence began 180 years ago, before Wisconsin was recognized as a state. Immigrants traveled to settle in this lush, green hills of Wisconsin, bringing their cheesemaking traditions with them. These storied skills combined with the freshest milk available created a cheesemaking culture that is uniquely Wisconsin. 
Wisconsin's 1,200 cheesemakers, many of whom are third and fourth generation, continue to pass on old-world traditions while adopting modern innovations in cheesemaking craftsmanship. Find your next favorite cheese at wisconsincheese.com. Welcome back to Time for Lunch. Lentils are a nutritional powerhouse and are loaded with protein, potassium, iron, fiber, and lots of other nutrients. Lentils usually grow in pods, and there are two seeds in each pod. 58% of the world's lentils are grown in India and Canada. Some names of lentil varieties include Boomer, Poi, Pardina, Nugget, and Digger. Did you know that my husband calls me Nugget? I'm going to have to try that lentil. The oldest known evidence of lentils in human archaeological sites dates back to 11,000 BCE. That's a really long time ago, you guys. It is. People have been eating lentils seemingly forever. And lentils are believed to bring good luck in Italy, especially if you eat them just after the stroke of midnight on New Year's Eve. Okay, dance a tarantella. We're going to take a quick dance break, and we'll be back with more. Hope everybody had a good dance break. Doll is the order of the day. So here's Sarah Thomas again to tell us more about doll in her culture. Across India and a lot of cultures around the world is the use of dal, lentils, pulses, and legumes to make something that is healthy, that is comforting, that is easy, that is delicious. In Indian households, dal and rice is often the very first food that babies eat as a solid food. So it's with all of the variations that you can find on it, the base of the lentils themselves is something that I think you can find on almost every single Indian table. I make it all the time. And every time I make it, I, I mean, I never get sick of it, first of all. And then every time I make it, I'm always like, I just feel better. <laughs> I could just, I, I feel happy. It's a, it's a beautiful thing to look at. It's cheap. It's easy. It's delicious. You can change it. Like, I mean, there's literally no wrong way to make it in terms of the flavorings that you can add to it. It never gets old. <laughs> and it is inherently kid-friendly because many, many kids eat it all over the world. Okay, let's talk about how to make doll. Harry, do you have a favorite recipe? I learned to make doll from my friend Nini Dolma, who's from northern India near Tibet. And here's how she taught me to make it. Today, we're going to make dal. So what you're going to need is one cup of red lentils or red lentils and yellow lentils. You could also use some urad dal, which are split black lentils. I like to do a mixture. So you'll want one cup of dried lentils. And 
you will need one small onion, two cloves of garlic, a small piece of ginger, some turmeric. You're gonna take the one cup of lentils and put them with four cups of water in a two to three quart saucepan and bring that to a boil on the stove. While it is coming to a boil, you wanna mince the onion fine. You wanna chop up the garlic and the ginger small and you wanna saute those in a little bit of olive oil or butter or ghee, which is clarified butter. Once the lentils come to a boil, you wanna turn them down and just let them simmer and stir them frequently. You're gonna cook them for about 20 to 30 minutes. I like to add some toasted spices as well. So a half a teaspoon of whole cumin, a half a teaspoon of mustard seeds. You could add some fenugreek and curry leaves are great if you have them. You can add three or four curry leaves. I like to heat a dry skillet on the stove on medium low and put the whole spices in to toast them. And it just brings out the flavor and makes them smell fantastic. And then once you've done that, and once they're toasty and your whole kitchen smells like spices, you can grind them up in a mortar and pestle or in a spice grinder or a coffee grinder, if you have one of those that you use for spices, or you can just put them into the mixture as whole spices. I like to grind them up into a powder because I find that it spreads out the flavor and just helps make the entire dish more flavorful. Most of the water will become absorbed and the lentils will become nice and soft and some of them will even fall apart. Once that happens, you want to take your sauteed aromatics, your onion and your garlic and your ginger, and you want to put that into the lentils. You want to add a quarter of a teaspoon of ground turmeric to that, a couple of grinds or a couple of pinches of ground black pepper as well, and a pinch or two of salt. And you want to mix all of that up together, and then you want to serve that over rice. And there you go. That's rice and dal. Now it's time for the part of the episode where we talk about a bright spot. And I think in keeping with the time of year, I'm going to have to go with something about spring because it's just so bright outside and it's springy and spring greens are finally here wild ones anyway my garden's still a little too cold for any of the greens to come up but just yesterday i was able to go out in my yard and i picked some dandelion you can eat the flowers and the leaves of dandelion i picked some mugwort which is an invasive plant that's all over and i picked some broadleafed dock which is another sort of spinach like plant and i cooked them all up I just sauteed them with some garlic and oil, and I ate them for lunch with a goose egg on top. Okay, whoa. I know this episode is about lentils, but where did you get a goose egg? Well, in my area, there's a number of folks who sell their backyard chicken eggs from a cooler, like at the end of the driveway. And there's one spot not too far from my house where they have duck eggs, and only in the spring, they also have goose eggs, because geese only lay eggs in the spring, unlike chickens, which lay them all year round. And goose eggs are delicious, but they are really, really, really big. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I'm going to also bring it back, a goose-related highlight for my week, which is that we have a family of Canadian geese that have made their home in our backyard on the lake, and they're pretty funny. They poop everywhere, which can be a little annoying, but um, I really like watching them fish in the pond and look for lots of little tasty nuggets of beetles and bugs and who knows what else they eat from the bottom of the pond. So I look out the window and I see these little goose tails sticking out of the water like little buoys and then they pop back up and they found a nice little tasty nugget. So speaking of goose eggs, I think where it's on the countdown to goose babies soon, 
So that's going to be very exciting when they hatch. Very cute. At the beginning of the episode, we asked, When do they eat lentils in Italy? And the answer is... Just after the stroke of midnight on New Year's Eve. Thanks for listening to Time for Lunch. Check out our other episodes for more tasty stories. Before I get to the credits, I have a message for the parents who might be listening. I want to tell you about HRN's business membership drive. We all know that small businesses keep our communities vibrant. For $500, HRN will shine a light on your work and you will help sustain our mission to expand the way people think about food. This fundraiser will support not just this show, but the amazing HRN community of food podcasts. As a thank you for this tax-deductible donation, your business will receive on-air mentions, social media posts, listings on our website, and more. Go to heritageradionetwork.org biz to become a business member today. That's heritageradionetwork.org B-I-Z. Thank you so much. And this show is written, produced, edited, and hosted by Harry Rosenblum and Hannah Forden, with engineering by Liam Warner. Music in this episode was composed by Breakmaster Cylinder, and our fun facts theme was created by our very own Liam Warner. Isaac Furman is our intern. Special thanks this week to Sarah Thomas of Kalamata's Kitchen. You can follow them on Instagram, at Kalamata's Kitchen, and you can find them on Facebook. Sign up for their email newsletter at kalamataskitchen.com. Time for Lunch is a production of Heritage Radio Network, the world's pioneer food radio station. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. Time for Lunch is also a part of Kids Listen, the number one app for finding great podcasts for kids of all ages. You can learn more at kidslisten.org, and you can download the app from iTunes or the Google Play Store. Time for Lunch is powered by Simplecast. And don't forget to stay in touch. Whether you have a joke you'd like to share or you just want to tell us what you had for lunch, we love so much to hear from our listeners. Send us your recipes, poems, book or podcast recommendations, or anything else you think we'd like. It's super easy to record yourself using the Voice Memo app on an iPhone. Ask your favorite grown-up to help you email us at timeforlunchpodcast at gmail.com. Be sure to include your name, age, and address so that we can send you a little something in return. Time for Lunch is supported in part by public funds from the New York City Department of Cultural Affairs in partnership with City Council. Thanks for listening.